Gonzaga is already connected to a handful of high-end transfers in the portal, including a 20-point-per-game score and a projected lottery pick. But are they good fits for Mark Few's team? Let's discuss. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. going on y'all welcome to the locked on zags podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day i'm your host and longtime gonzaga podcaster andy Patton, here to give you daily reports through another off season of gonzaga basketball today's episode of locked on zags is brought to you by fanduel sportsbook the official sportsbook of the locked on podcast network make every moment more visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started All right, folks, we got a fun, packed episode today, a segment or an episode style that I'm hoping to do more of over the next month or so, basically picking three different transfers who are in the portal, who have been connected to Gonzaga. We're going to talk about each of them, why they are a fit, where else they are being recruited, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, these are going to come out in conjunction with our season in review series. We're going to start doing more of next week. We did Dominic Harris's yesterday after he announced he's entering the transfer portal. We will do more of them coming up. But for today, let's talk transfers. We got a high scoring wing to discuss in the second segment. We got a very high scoring point guard to discuss in the final segment, a player with his eyes on the NBA draft as well. But we're going to lead talking about a big and we're going to talk about a big who before this season I think it would have been fairly maybe not inconceivable but less likely surprising is a good way to put it to see this player in the transfer portal and not in the NBA draft because he was somebody who was projected to be a top 10 top 15 pick uh, in the draft after he committed to Oregon Uh, it's Kalel Ware is who we're talking about here Kalel Ware a starting center uh, or a center I should say for the Oregon Ducks he was a top 10 player in the class of 2022 when he committed to Oregon and perhaps another conversation, probably on the Locked On College Basketball podcast, we will have some time about the lack of success that we have seen from four and five star recruits as they head to Eugene and play for Dana Altman. This is a story that is unfortunately familiar for fans of the Oregon Ducks, uh, a top 10 player in the class, a guy who, again, if you read any mock drafts between August and, and early, mid, late November, even into December, they all have Kalel Ware in the top. 15 most likely maybe late first mid first at times Uh, and then he just he never really got off the ground for the ducks his overall season numbers are 6.6 points per game 4.1 rebounds 1.3 blocks and the 1.3 blocks all of that came in about 16 minutes per game so he wasn't playing big minutes and blocking 1.3 shots in 16 minutes per game was pretty darn good like he deserves some props for that certainly and we'll, we'll talk more about his specific appeal to Gonzaga, which, spoiler alert, it's that. It's the shot blocking, because that is a big area of need for the Zags. Uh, Ware shot 53.5% on twos, which is not terrible, but it's not great for a big man. And he shot 27% from three. And that's a big element here as well. Because the reason Ware was such a highly touted prospect when he came out of Arkansas and he committed to Oregon and was on all those mock drafts was because of the Chet Holmgren effect because of his ability to be a rim protector on one end of the floor and a stretch five on the other end, a guy who can hit threes and defend the rim. It's rare. There is a reason Chet Holmgren was called a unicorn. There is a reason that prospects who seem competent in both of those things get a lot of praise, get a lot of attention. That's why Ware was a top 10 prospect. That's why he was on those mock drafts boards so high. And he he did okay. The 27% is not great. I don't think that he is 
a horrible three-point shooter, but I'm not expecting him to be great next year. He's got some work to do. The form isn't quite there. The spacing, he, there's just some stuff that needs to be worked on. And, and I think that in time, he can be that player. And I think that, again, we'll get to it a little bit more. I think the in-time part is kind of the challenge because I'm guessing Ware doesn't want to go somewhere to continue to develop. He wants to go somewhere where he can showcase his skills and potentially be a two-and-done in the NBA type guy. I could be wrong. I may not be reading that situation correctly. Maybe he is content to kind of put his head down and 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 grind and get better. And if so, he might be a great fit for Oregon or for, excuse me for Gonzaga. But that's kind of something to to watch uh, for for where he had double figures in four of his first seven games. And I want to point out that in three of those four games were against UConn, a team that right now is the front runner to win the dang national championship. Michigan State, who went to a Sweet 16. Villanova, who admittedly wasn't great this year and was was struggling early in the year without Justin Moore and Cam Whitmore. But still, he scored double figures against some pretty good non-quality non-conference opponents for the Ducks early in the season. And then he only scored in double figures in four of his final 28 games. Basically, he got completely benched by Dana Altman. There were games in the regular season or in the conference season, I should say, where he played one minute. He stopped starting altogether. He was barely playing at all. And part of it was the emergence of Nefali Dante, who has another five-star recruit that came to Oregon with you know pedigree of being a one-and-done type guy is in his fourth year with the Ducks. And injuries have been a huge part of Dante's story, unfortunately. But he's healthy this year, and he played fantastic. He played the best basketball of his career. Nate Biddle, a former target of Gonzaga's, ended up committing to Oregon, looked like the guy who maybe wasn't going to have a big role this year, ended up stepping up and playing a, a big role for, for the Ducks. I think he averaged like seven and five. And so those two guys just played better than where. That's kind of simply what happened. And, and you can blame Altman. You can blame the Ducks staff. You can say whatever you want. Like, he just didn't get the minutes. They, they didn't show up. So looking ahead to where where might go, where, where he might end up here. He's from Arkansas. He's from Little Rock. And Arkansas is one of the schools involved in his recruitment right now. It seems like an odd logical fit. From an actual perspective on the court, I'm not sure that it is. Having Kalel Ware and Jordan Walsh playing minutes together and a few other guys could limit their ability to space the floor to shoot, all of that stuff. But it's hard for me to imagine that Muss and their staff aren't going to be heavily involved here and that Ware's not going to consider an opportunity to go much, much closer to home and play for a team that has routinely had a lot of NCAA tournament success and success putting players in the NBA. Other schools that are involved here, uh, Memphis and LSU are solid options for him as well. Uh, Duke, Auburn, Missouri, Texas A&M are all involved. Texas, Kansas State, Illinois, Florida State, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, SMU, and TCU. That is a big list of schools. Not surprising. All we know right now is that these are schools that have reached out to Ware. So who knows how serious some of that connection is, whether Ware is at all involved or interested in some of those schools. Those are things that remain to be seen. In terms of the Gonzaga of it all, certainly it makes sense for where if he's willing to come into that kind of role. And what I mean by that kind of role is not necessarily a guaranteed huge role. I doubt Gonzaga's pitch to Kalel Ware is, hey, come replace Drew Timmy, because that's he's not capable of being that guy right away. And the Zags have, right now, they, they potentially have Anton Watson coming back. They definitely have Ben Gregg coming back. They definitely have Efton Reed coming back. They have Braden Huff stepping into a bigger role. Caden Perry is questionable on his health and what that might look like. But I don't, Kalel Ware would play over most of those guys. But I don't know that he would necessarily start. I think he would, I think Efton Reed would push him for playing time. I think he should. 
I don't. I think absolutely the Zags would need to say to Khalil where, hey, we're, we're bringing you in. You absolutely have the opportunity to start for this team. Uh, you might play big minutes for this team, but it's going to be a competition. You're going to compete with Reed. You're going to compete with Ben. You're going to compete with Anton if he's back, although Watson would, would almost certainly take a starting role over where at this point. But it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out because it gives Gonzaga a big who can block shots, who's a bit more developmental, but probably wants to be a guy who's playing right away. And that's kind of the question that needs to happen. Last year when the Zags were looking for bigs, they struggled to find guys early in the portal process because those guys wanted to go somewhere with guaranteed minutes. It was why Efton Reed was such a fantastic addition because he didn't need that. He felt comfortable coming into a situation where he would be more of a developmental big. Now he's going to want those minutes, deservedly so. What does that mean for where? What does that mean for his the opportunity for the Zags to land him? It's hard to say. Some of these other programs can probably promise him playing time right away that the Zags may not be able to do. If that is enough to to derail him, A, totally understandable. I, I would, wouldn't be mad at him for saying, hey, I want to go somewhere where there's a clearer path to playing time. But I think for Gonzaga, the, the pitch is, hey, we can put you in the NBA even as a backup. Look at Zach Collins. He was a 10th pick in the NBA draft. He uh, he didn't start for the Zags in that role in that situation. And also, like just the, the track record of developmental bigs at Gonzaga is tremendous. Drew Timmy, Philip Petrusev. DeMontis Sabonis, Shemek Karnowski, Killian Tilly, Jonathan Williams. And the list goes on and on and on all the way back to Ronan Turioff. Like it is an, an uh, Kelly Olinick, of course. It is an extraordinary list of players that Gonzaga has developed who are bigs. Kalel Ware could be a superstar in Gonzaga's system if he was willing to go through it. His shot blocking would immediately help the Zags. The outside shooting, if it were to show up, would be a huge help for the Zags as well. I don't know if he would want to come to Gonzaga and play in that kind of role. If he did, I think it would be an incredible addition for the Bulldogs. Well, big man, maybe the most obvious need for the Zags following Drew Timmy's departure this offseason, but assuming Julian Strother leaves, the Zags are going to need a wing as well, and there is a great one waiting for them in the portal. More on him after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The NCAA tournament is wrapping up, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Maybe you like DeMontis Savonis to keep putting up huge numbers for the now playoff-bound Sacramento Kings. Maybe you want. Maybe you like Zach Collins. We just talked about him and his exceptional performance with the San Antonio Spurs this year. Maybe you want to make an exclusive bet like Corey Kispert hitting two threes in the first three minutes of Washington's next game. Plus, FanDuel will even let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, segment two, still any patents, still Locked On Zags. I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. And as a reminder for your second listen today, check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. We have spent all week breaking down this epic Final Four coming up on Saturday between San Diego State and Florida Atlantic, followed by, of course, Miami and UConn. If you want any updates on the game, the players, the matchup, the biggest keys, the betting lines, all of that stuff, check out the Locked On College Basketball. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. It is also available on YouTube. All right, folks. 
We got a wing to talk about here in the second segment. Not going to hide it any longer. The wing we're talking about here, Northern Colorado transfer Dalton Connect. Connect is a 6-6 combo guard wing hybrid. He's a player that has been connected to Gonzaga. It is reported that they are interested here, that they have reached out to him again at this point. It's very early stages. Sometimes this stuff comes together really quickly and a player suddenly makes a commitment. Sometimes we don't ever hear about them again. It's totally possible that that could happen. Caden Shedrick was a player that Gonzaga had reportedly reached out to from Virginia. All of a sudden, he released a new list of schools that he was interested in. They weren't on there. And that's going to happen 10, 15, 20, 25 more times this offseason. It's just part of how this transfer portal madness goes. But for now, with Dalton Connect being a player that the Zags have shown interest in, we're going to have to talk about him because this dude is a bucket. He is an absolute bucket. He's a former junior college All-American before he headed to Northern Colorado. What a get for Northern Colorado, by the way. Junior college All-Americans often end up at Division One level. Sometimes they end up higher than at the, the uh, big sky level for the Division One. And so for Connect to end up at Northern Colorado, it worked out very well for them. Let's put it that way. His first season, 24 minutes per game. He averaged about nine points, shot 36% from deep. So he was a good quality role player in his first year. Second year, things really, really took off for Connect. 20.2 points per game, 7.2 rebounds, 1.8 assists. He shot 38.1% from deep, 54.7% on twos, and 77% from the line. This dude put the ball in the hoop wherever he was, beyond the arc, inside the arc, at the charity stripe, did not matter. He's an 80th percentile scorer out of the pick and roll. And that is significant. Gonzaga runs a ton of ball screen action, a ton of high pick and rolls. I expect to see a lot more of it next year as well when they're not just bringing the ball down the court and figuring out a way to get it to Drew Timmy. When they want to run more motion offense, I think we'll see a lot of side-to-side ball screen actions. And I think that that's going, that would be a huge benefit for a player like Connect who comes off those screens, who gets to his mid-range shots. He's a very, very good mid-range scorer. He's 65% at the rim, so he puts his head down, gets to the basket, scores through contact, again, contributes at the free throw line, and knocks down 38% of his threes. What is not to love? Well, he's not a great defensive player. That would be something that is not to love. Gonzaga needs help on that end of the floor. They can go add as many offensive players as they want, and I think that they probably will. But at the end of the day, you need people who can go get stops. Connect, it's hard to gauge how great he would be defensively moving up from the big sky into the WCC and, of course, into Gonzaga's rigorous non-conference schedule, how he would handle assignments on the defensive end of the floor. But I bet he's going to get his his points. I don't think that his scoring would take a significant dip. Is he going to score 20 for Gonzaga? No, probably not. But he's going to absolutely be capable of getting buckets uh, at whatever level he ends up, whether it's at Gonzaga and the WCC or not. In terms of schools involved, there's a whole bunch of them, mostly on the West Coast, not too surprising, just kind of more familiarity with him and his game. Colorado is, of course, involved. He is from Colorado. That's how he ended up at Northern Colorado. So they would like to keep him in the state uh, for very obvious reasons. Uh, Other local area schools, Arizona State, Washington, Oregon, Utah, are all involved, uh, and then some some bigger names as well. Kansas is involved here. Arkansas, North Carolina is involved. Iowa State, Indiana, Ole Miss again is involved. Nebraska, Oklahoma, Illinois, Missouri. A lot of big name programs here. A uh, lot of Power Five programs, NCAA tournament programs. Again, there's a lot of pedigree here. There's a lot of excitement, uh, and any anybody who scores 20 points per game at the Division One level is, is going to get that kind of attention and for Connect because of his size as a six foot six kind of bigger guard. He's a little skinny. He's, he's not super uh, beefy necessarily, but and I think that limits him a bit on the defensive end, but he's a guy who can go get baskets and, and it's hard not to like that. 
In terms of the fit at the Gonzaga, at Gonzaga, in terms of the fit at Gonzaga, it depends. It depends what happens with two key players in particular, Malachi Smith and Julian Strother. Connect is more of a three. I don't think he's a four hybrid. I think he's a pretty, pretty distinct three or maybe even a two. So he's, he's Julian Strother. That's the position Julian Strother played. As much as we talked about the small ball four lineups and having Strother play more at the four position, it didn't really happen this year, in part because of the emergence of Anton Watson. And then, of course, the emergence of Ben Gregg. They just didn't need anybody else to play that four position. So if, if we're trying to replace Strother, if we're assuming that Strother is leaving, which there's no guarantee that that's going to happen for the record. But if he leaves, that leaves a hole in that three, two, three kind of spot. Brasier Bolton obviously out the door, so that leaves a spot there. You hope Malachi Smith kind of fills some of that role. Of course, Hunter Salas will take on a bigger role as well. Dusty Stromer, incoming player. And I think that's kind of part of it too, is like Connect seems kind of similar to Dusty Stromer. So recruiting him, bringing him in is sort of dependent on how much Mark Few and their staff think that Stromer is going to contribute in year one. Historically, Mark Few hasn't relied on freshmen in year one unless they are otherworldly, like Jalen Suggs, like Chet Holmgren. Sometimes freshmen fill roles in year one. Corey Kispert did. Killian Tilly did. Like it happens. Uh, Kevin Pango certainly did. If you want to go back a little bit farther, but I, I think if the if the Zags were able to land connect and Strother were to depart, I think you would see him step into the three role. He'd start there alongside some combination of Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas and Malachi Smith. And if they were to make any other additions there. Uh, but I think that, I think he would contribute right away to this team. If both Malachi Smith and Julian Strother return, the fit is much less obvious for connect. I'm guessing that that's not going to happen. I would be fairly surprised if both those players returned. I just think it's unlikely. I don't know exactly. I don't have a ton of information there. Malachi Smith is a true toss up to me at this point. Uh, he has that extra year. Like Rasir Bolton does, he could totally use it, step into a bigger role, be a big key, key piece for Gonzaga's offense next year. Strother, I still think, is likely to leave, especially since he tested so well at the Combine last year. But again, you never really know. So Connect is a guy that is more of a fit depending on what else happens on the roster, but it's hard not to like a guy who scores 20 points per game. Would he give up a lot of points on the defensive end of the floor? Perhaps. Is that an area he would need to, to improve significantly? Yes, I would imagine so, but... I think Gonzaga is going to take a guy who can stretch the floor, shoot from beyond the arc, get to the rim, score out of the mid range. Like all that stuff is really, really valuable. And for Gonzaga, their offense wasn't the issue last year, but guard offense was an issue last year. And losing Julian Strother and Drew Timmy, if that were to happen, takes away a huge chunk of their offense. So even though I think the obvious thing Gonzaga needs to add onto this roster when you look at last year's flaws is defense. They're losing most of their offense, so they got to replenish that too. Connect is the guy who's going to help mostly on one end of the floor, but man, what he can bring offensively as a scorer is really, really valuable, and I can see totally why the Gonzaga why Gonzaga is appealing to him and why he would find Gonzaga appealing. High, uh, high-paced offense, a lot, of, a lot of opportunities to score, getting out in transition, more possessions equals more points. Totally makes sense that this would be a program that would be high on his list. I would write, you know, if I'm him, I'd, I'd rather go here than somewhere like UW um, or Colorado where they play a more, like uh, they limit possessions more and they don't give you as many opportunities to score because if his professional aspirations, whether they're NBA or G league or overseas are going to be predicated on him getting a lot of points. And you're going to get a lot of more points at a school that has a lot more possessions. And Gonzaga can offer that in a way that some of these other schools cannot. 
All right, well, we're going to close out the show discussing a high-scoring point guard who the Zags are connected to. Would he fit in the current backcourt or not? That is the question, but we're going to answer that after a word from today's sponsor, Built Bar. The Built Bar March Madness bracket is here. We know that you have a favorite bar or puff, and now is your time to make it count. So go to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite. You know I'll be voting for the Churro Bar, and if you want your favorite team to win, then you'll be voting for that bar too. Support your team, support your bar or puff, and when you go visit or when you go vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked-on listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, one, one locked-on fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You have got to try Built, the best protein bar ever. Seriously, they are so amazing, you will not think they're good for you. What makes Built bars and puffs so good? Well, for starters, they are high in protein, they are low in sugar, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. So run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March. We are at the end of March, so go vote now. Support your pick. Built Bar, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zags, and we're still rolling through a trio of transfers the Bulldogs could pursue or have at least showed interest in already. We talked about the big man, Kalel Ware, from Oregon. In the first segment, we talked about a high-scoring wing from Northern Colorado, Dalton Connect. In the second segment, we are continuing to head east when looking at these transfers now for our point guard. This one was a poll on Twitter on who you all wanted to hear about. If you want to participate in future polls, talking about potential transfers for us to discuss on the podcast, follow me on Twitter at Andy Patton CBB. I hope to post more of those discussing these kinds of topics in the future. Regardless, the winner for today's poll and the player we are going to discuss is Tulane point guard Jalen Cook. Jalen Cook entered the, uh, the transfer portal while also declaring for the NBA draft. He is still considering potentially keeping his name in the draft and going through that process. Cook was initially the number 26th ranked player in the class of 2020. Really, really highly regarded prospect out of high school. He went to LSU. He averaged three points per game in about 20 games at LSU. Just a bit player, didn't get significant playing time for that team. Decided to transfer, hit the portal, went to Tulane, had a monster sophomore year at Tulane, and then even better as a junior. Last year at Tulane, Jalen Cook averaged 19.9 points per game, just off that 20 points per game mark. He averaged 4.9 assists, 2.9 rebounds, and 1.8 steals. He shot 34.5% from deep. That was on about six attempts per game as well. So a volume shooter and a relatively efficient one. 34.5% is not elite, but it is worth pointing out that he shot, I think, 39, see, 39% his sophomore year at Tulane. And in a very small sample at LSU, about one and a half attempts per game, he shot 46.7%. So that 34.5% mark for Cook is a career low. And we have talked about this at length on this podcast. Players, especially from smaller mid-major programs, and, and no disrespect to Tulane or the AAC, a very, very good conference on par, if not better than the WCC top to bottom. But when players come from that program to a program with more offensive weapons like Gonzaga has, they tend to shoot better. 
Ryan Woolridge is the kind of the prototype for this, a player who was not a good three-point shooter while he was at North Texas, came to Gonzaga, immediately saw his three-point production increase. Rasir Bolton had the same thing happen his first year at Gonzaga, where he was a 46% three-point shooter after being like 35 36% at Iowa State. Jalen Cook, a guy who has proven already that he can be a 40-plus percent three-point shooter, coming to Gonzaga where he is not necessarily – He's surrounded by more offensive weapons than he has at Tulane. I think we'd look at a guy who shoots 42, 43, maybe even close to 45% from deep. Beyond that, he was 52.5% on two-pointers last year. He was 85% from the free throw line, and he has two years of eligibility remaining. Really hard not to like the profile here for Jalen Cook because the Zags haven't had – they need a scorer in the guard room. I mean, I don't know how much more obvious it is that the Zags need to score in the guard room. Nolan Hickman and Rasir Bolton did not score any points against UCLA. Like, your starting backcourt cannot go scoreless in NCAA tournament games. The fact that they won the game was incredible. It did not help them against UConn. So if you're looking at what Gonzaga needs, yeah, we talk about replacing Drew Timmy. We talk about replacing Julian Strother, and those are critical needs, and they may have some internal options at those spots. But one thing that the Zags just do not have is a scoring guard. Malachi Smith can be that guy. He's more of a role player though. And, and I don't, that doesn't necessarily mean he's not a starter. I think he, he would start next year if he came back. I just mean role player in the sense that he's not your go-to option. I don't think Malachi Smith should be the go-to option for a Gonzaga offense. Jalen cook could be that guy could be that guy at least is more capable of, Hey, the play broke down. We just need somebody to go try to get a basket. That's what Jalen Suggs was so good at. That's what they would use Jalen Cook to do, because right now the guards that they have just don't really do that. The list of schools involved for Jalen Cook, I'm not even, I can't read all of it because it would be the rest of the podcast. It's basically everybody. Alphabetically, it starts at Alabama, it ends at Xavier. That's all you need to know. Think you pick any any Power Five programs that you can think of that are between Alabama and Xavier alphabetically. They're probably on this list. Kansas is on this list. Ole Miss is on this list. TCU is on this list. Memphis, LSU, they're on this list. All of those programs now. Cook is from Louisiana area. Of course, he went to LSU initially. Does he go back to LSU? I doubt it. There has been a coaching change, so I suppose it is possible. Um, But does that give an advantage to somebody like Alabama or Auburn or Mississippi, which are a little bit closer, or Mississippi State, a little bit closer geographically to where he's from? Potentially. Sometimes we think that that matters more than it does. Sometimes it doesn't matter. I doubt a lot of people thought Kalel Ware would go from Arkansas to Oregon, but he did. So it doesn't always matter. Drew Timmy's from Texas came to Spokane. So, I mean, it it doesn't always matter. But if the NBA is the goal for Jalen Cook, Gonzaga can offer that. They can offer, look, we've put players in the NBA. We have the attention. We have the ability to get you that, you know, a lot of these other programs are going to be able to promise that too. So it's not necessarily a huge advantage that Gonzaga has. But I do think that saying, hey, look, we run this high octane offense. We're top 10, top 15 in tempo and pace. We have a lot of possessions. We score more points than anybody in the country and do that routinely, regularly. That's a lot of really good salesmanship for Jalen Cook, a player who is more impactful on the offensive end than he is on the defensive end which is a thing. He wouldn't come in and necessarily be an elite defensive player. It's hard to gauge his defense without watching a whole bunch of tape. I've seen him a little bit. He has good steals numbers. Uh, Some of the advanced numbers for him defensively kind of paint a picture of him being not quite so good there. Uh, So that's something to keep an eye on. That's something that the Zags and their scouting department and their, you know, their assistant coaches would have to kind of evaluate if like, he's going to score a lot of points for us, but how many is he going to give up? And is that going to be worth it? Um, Does it work if we pair him with Hunter Salas, who is a much better defensive player, even Nolan Hickman, who is a solid defensive player, somebody who doesn't get as much love on that end of the floor as perhaps he should. But 
It'd be interesting to see what this looks like as a fit at Gonzaga, because I think the Zags are going to aggressively pursue some lead guard types. They are already interested in Jalen Cook. I think there are some other names that we will talk about on future episodes of the show that could be of interest to Gonzaga, whether it's Taryn Armstrong at Cal Baptist, whether it's Caleb Love, who I don't love as a fit for the Zags, uh, but, you know, is a lead guard type that's available in the portal. Like whether, whether that's somebody like that, if the Zags are pursuing players like that, what does it mean for Nolan Hickman, for Hunter Salas, for Malachi Smith, for Dusty Stromer even? Those are questions that, that Mark Few and the staff are going to have to figure out. Do they bench Hickman after bringing him into a starting role next year or last year? I doubt it, but they could. They could. Do they keep Hunter Salas on the bench for a third year? If so, does he want to stay? You know, I have heard nothing indicating any, anything otherwise, but it's hard to imagine that he – I think Hunter Salas needs to step into a starting role and be a big-time contributor for this team next year. I think he's ready, and I think he's capable of doing that. So for Gonzaga, stifling that would be an issue. Jalen Cook would not take away from Hunter Salas' minutes. I don't think they would play the same role. I think he would take away more from Nolan Hickman's minutes. That might be fine. That might be the way that this needs to happen. Bring Hickman either in a more off-ball role, in a bench role. Maybe if Malachi Smith does leave, you just have Cook, Hickman, Salas as your three-guard lineup. Dusty Stromer coming off the bench. It's a smaller team, but that might work for Gonzaga. They have had success doing that in the past. So another one of those things to kind of consider here. Obviously, the Zags, this process is so difficult because you're trying to get the best players possible. And there's thousands of very good players available. So you have to assess, you have to evaluate, you have to determine how good are these players actually. How good would they be in my program? How would they fit just personality-wise? That's a big one. How would they fit alongside these teammates as friends, as colleagues, as family, you know, whatever it may be? And then how would it impact the other players currently on the team? It's a lot of hard questions you have to ask. Gonzaga's success rate finding transfers is really good. And that's impressive because it's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to find guys that fit correctly. Jalen Cook on paper looks like a great fit. All that other stuff is hard to know and hard to say and what it means for Gonzaga's current guards. You know, all, all difficult questions that need to be answered. And the coaching staff, they got their work cut out for them between now and May 11th when that portal portal window ends. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Again, we're going to have more shows like this in the coming weeks, previewing a handful of transfers that the Zags are interested in. Uh, stick with us next week as well as we start to get into our season in review series, reviewing every player on the roster, how they did last season, their best and worst case scenarios reevaluated, and a look at their future in the Gonzaga program. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Patton CBB. You can find the podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Go hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. All right, thank you all for listening. Happy weekend and go Zags.